When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday. Episode 680 of Coach Unplugged. Um, today we're going to do part two. Hopefully you liked part one where we're talking to coach about building a program. Um, you know, I, I personally think that Dr. Dish is one of the top shooting machines on the market. You know, it's, it's recognized as one of the top basketball training resources from coaches all around the world. I think the stuff that they give to all of us on a regular basis, that's even free is unbelievable. So go over and check them out. Mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $350 off your next shooting machine. Not the home one, but the rest of them. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. There's nothing like it. If you're looking for a roadmap, if you're looking for a mentor, if you're looking for someone to help you become a basketball, bas- better basketball coach, teachhoops.com is the place to go. Today, we're offering 13% off. Um, so let's see if you can figure out the pattern. Monday was 20% off. Tuesday was 18% off. Wednesday was 15% off. Today is 13% off. See if you can figure out what tomorrow is going to be. But these are going to be the lowest prices that we're going to offer all year. Hopefully you're listening today and you can get that deal while it lasts. So um, go over and check it out and uh, it will be taken at checkout so you don't have to worry about it. 14-day free trial still exists. All right, let's head off to the podcast. Um, playing time. We all have to deal with that. And this is probably, this may be the most valuable aspect of of this program stuff. You know, I think of it as preventative medicine and I told you I would get around to the meetings that I have. So I have preseason and postseason. And so preseason for high school coaches, for me, that's shortly after the school year starts, we talk about whether we're gonna be in a folly, what preseason conditioning is, all that kind of stuff and what they're expected to do. Uh, postseason's kind of the same thing. Uh, then I would have one at the beginning of the season this, this is not all with parents, by the way. Uh, the pre and the post were with parents and, and kids. Uh, beginning of the season with the kids, uh, end of summer, I would try to have one during the season. I didn't include that. But, you know, at the college level, I meet with my players every week because it's different than high school. I don't see them as often. And I don't want, you know, if they're having problems at home or financially or with their girlfriend or in a class, I don't want to find that out too late because all of that affects their basketball. And right. so we meet, we meet all the time. And, and again, I don't think you can over meet. I would say you at least need to do these in, in some form or fashion. And so what do you talk about? I talk about personal, I talk about academics and sometimes I do talk about basketball, 
but like the meetings I have in college, when we're meeting in one-on-one, the only thing, the only rule I have for the meeting and, and I give to my assistant coaches is we divide our team up evenly and then we rotate through the year which six or seven guys we have. And so we really get into their lives. And we're not allowed to talk basketball in those meetings. But in high school, I did. Um, and so praise first. You can critique a little bit, but you talk about a praise sandwich. Give way more praise than you're giving critique. Frame it as this is what you need to do for improvement and more playing time. Uh, tell what skills they need and how those skills need to be developed. I think of it as a doctor. A doctor doesn't just tell you what's wrong and say, good luck. A doctor tells you he diagnoses the problem and he tells you the steps, the medicine that you need or the surgery that you need to fix it. And I think coaches stop short a lot of times and just saying, you're really, really bad at this. And they don't, they don't give their kids a chance to fix it. And, you know, when you were a kid, you know, if a coach, if you have something wrong with your shot, you know, a coach would tell you to get against the wall and fix your shot. That helps you keep your elbow in, Right. you know, just, you know, frame the conversation again in helping them meet the, what their commitment statement is and what they need to do. I've already told you what I did for academics and how I track yeah, that. But it's an improvement plan is what I refer to yeah. it as. Here's your right. improvement plan. Like you're not where you need to be. I run a talented and gifted program for basketball players. Yeah. Uh, you know, so here's what you need to do to improve to get, be able to play on the court. I mean, that's what I, I always think of it in terms of an improvement plan. Like, a, how can I help you improve? How can I get you better so maybe you can play? You know, personal, you know, I already did that with that 5-H's activity where I find out what's going on. I've done that in the preseason. But you need to constantly ask and you don't, you know, we all know who we can ask a little bit more personal questions with and who doesn't want that. But really all you want them to know is that you care about that stuff. And if they ever need to talk to you, they can. You don't necessarily need to fish for information. And I think one of the most important questions you can ask is why are you playing basketball? What is your why? Because your why informs how you do everything else and I've been amazed at the answers that I've gotten. And so what we do, most of my players, I I have them bring in, and most of them it's for their family member or maybe it's for somebody who already passed away or something like that. And they have to bring in a a picture of whatever that is, and we keep it in a box. And whenever we're not playing up to a certain level, you know, I just bring that out. And, you know, it goes with us on road trips and everything. And, you know, this is your why. Whenever you don't feel like doing something, this is why you're doing it. There's a lot of people that are looking to you and expecting you to play at a certain level and you don't want to let them down. You know, you're always playing for something bigger than yourself. Dealing with parents. Like I said before, what people are not up on, they are down on. And so, you know, you know Bobby Knight used to say the best coaching job was at an orphanage. Right. So, <laughs> But, you know, I think there's a lot you can do to lay the, the groundwork to have allies and again communication is what i'll talk about now but i'll I'll give a couple of points on what i think you could do to gain allies but you know you want to communicate all your practice times for the year your travel times both when you expect to get home and and get back from away games all the cell phone numbers that you need you know we were i had in high school i had a, a complete parents group chat and a, and a player's group chat and to help if there was ever any changes due to weather or whatever. Right. A packet with your personal letter and your philosophy. You want everybody to have that in your hand. Tell them in that packet and in person where 
where you see their son as a player right now. I think, you know, any coach worth his salt cannot hide behind that kind of stuff. You need to be able to have that conversation. You need to be able to give them hope and say this is what they need to do to be able to have more playing time. And I think if you can't do that, then all you're doing is creating more problems for yourself the longer you keep stringing somebody along. I think you need to rip the Band-Aid off. Tell the player the worst news first and then give them, give them your best hope, you know. Right. I, I think sometimes kids, I, I realize more and more, kids just want you to be blunt and honest. They don't want you to hem and haw around it. They just want to get to the meat of it and, and get it over with. They would just rather know the truth. I talk about truth or harmony when I talk to my kids. Do you want truth or you want harmony? Right. Like like if you come to me and go, you know, what's wrong with, what's wrong with my shot? I would say truth would be, well, your elbow's sticking out, your feet aren't quite squared. Harmony would be, oh, you're the best shooter in the world. Don't worry about it. Keep shooting, blah, blah, blah. So I would say truth or harmony. And you know what? I get 95% of the time they'll say truth, coach. I want truth. I go, perfect. Here's the truth, you know. Um, You can always lead. And the positive is obviously very important too. But sometimes they want – they. They want you to be honest and truthful with them. They do. They really do. Yeah. Uh, and so some ideas I've had for dealing, you know, I, I really haven't had a ton of problems with parents. And, you know, we all think of the worst case scenario. And I would say most of the time that doesn't happen. But you know, It doesn't. A, it doesn't. I, and I think you and I haven't because we communicate. From, some, from, from the coaches I've helped, a lot of them have had problems because they're, they're trying to bunker down. And don't bunker down. Yeah. That's not going to solve the problem. The no. problem is not going away. Yeah. It's not us versus them. We're all in this together. You know, if you say that your program is a family, well, then it, it has to be. You can't right. <laughs> you can't say it and then keep their family out of it. Like I've had I've had a couple of dads who have played, you know, college or professionally and they really wanted to give their input. And so right. what I've done, you know, I, I have my practices closed. That's that's not a that's not negotiable. I, I feel like that's my classroom and if parents can't walk into a classroom whenever they want, then I don't allow them to walk into my practice whenever they want. You know, during games, you know, I've given, even if I already have a guy, I have them get another angle with, I have two iPads, everybody's got an iPhone, and I just have them film right. um, in high school. <laughs> or, or I have them, I've honestly, I'm not kidding when I say this, people think it's hilarious, but I've said, man, I've got a scout that I really need to see, and they play the same night as tonight. Would you mind going and scouting that game for me? You would be surprised. You know, it's just finding them a way to make your ally, and it doesn't have to be confrontational. You know, you can have them be at the scorer's table or, you know, do a bunch of different things where you're not trying to get rid of them. It can be a real value for you. Maybe they can stat something that you can't stat on the bench, but you know, you would be surprised. All they really want to know is that people see them as they know a lot about basketball, they're very valuable, whatever, and you're really helping their ego, and it, it really can help you too. You, you both can win if you think of a way to do it. It's trying to find that win-win. Right. Trying to find the win-win is what I say, yes. Everyone wins, yeah. All right, so I have the problem player. At some point, we all have a problem player, and I, I have here, it's the when guy. It's not if he messes up, but but when he messes up. And so what I do is I have the player come in and repeat verbally what the consequence of messing up again will be. So they have to say it to me so I know that they know it. You know, it's not me saying it to them. 
they already right. know what the consequence will be. And so I make them say that verbally. I notify both the parent and the administration that we just had that and that he said it to me verbally. And then if it happens again, then that last meeting is short and easy. I was a principal before, and if I ever had to let a teacher go, I couldn't surprise that teacher and say, man, you sucked all year. I'm getting rid of you. I've, right. I've had evaluations. We've had conversations. I've given them chance to improve. But you can't, um, you know, if, it's, if a choice is between one individual and the team, that decision was made a long time ago. And if you talk about that in your preseason meeting, if after you have the first problem, you let the parent and the administration know, if you have another problem, nobody can blame you for getting rid of a kid at that point. Dealing with the media, and right, I would include social media on this. Yeah. My guys are really good with that. Always talk about we, not me, and speak about the assist leaders, the rebounders, the defenders. The scorers get their reward in the game. They get all the notoriety already. If you can get those guys to really praise in post-game interviews or on social media, all the people that did the little things, that just builds great team unity. And it really makes them realize how much them realize how much all the little things really matter. Treatment of officials, I think that's an important thing to talk about um, when building your program. Uh, I've been an official, and so I came up with some of this stuff. Uh, they are human beings, and they don't like to be shown up. And so when you're acting a fool, whether I'm, t I'm talking, whether you're a parent or a coach, whatever you say to them, you can say they're a professional, they're getting paid, they need to do a job. But, you know, if it comes down to a controversial call, as a human, what are you more, more likely to do? The guy who's been making you look like an idiot or the guy who's been treating you with respect? Which one are you more likely to, right. to give a call to? Um, no retaliation or verbal expression. I think what you do a little bit, your guys, what, what you do in moderation, your guys do a lot. And so if you retaliate and you have a verbal expression to everything, then your guys really get into that. And every second that they're focusing on the past, they're not pro focusing on the present. There's nothing you can do. You just want to have that next play mentality. Um, if the ball goes out of bounds, whether it's us or the other team, I always have my guys go chase that ball and sprint and hand it to the ref. It's just, you know, it's, it's another thing where the refs notice that. Um, my players always have to have their shirts tucked in in practice because I don't want a referee to ever tell us in a game to tuck our shirts in because the ref just thinks that that team has a lack of discipline. Right. Um, everything is that. yes or no, sir. Do your players know the rules? I have, I did this in high school and I do it now in college, but I have a college official come during our preseason, watch one of our inner squad scrimmages, go over rule changes with the guys. And, you know, I don't want my guys questioning something during a game and not knowing that, you know, when they can enter a lane off of a free throw or, you know, something like that. I want them to know the rules and me handing them a list of rules or me sitting down in a classroom talking to them is probably not the best way for them to learn. If I have a ref there at my practice and he shows it in a live situation and then he reviews, here's what I'm telling my, my referees to emphasize this year. This is what you need to watch, you know, no hand checking on defense or something like that. All of those things go into your running the kind of program the way that you want to run it, having really sharp players. Cutting players from your team, really the only thing I have to say here is 
I, I don't think you should post it on a board. Never. I don't, and, and I don't think you should call them out uh, like in a big line. I, I have a bunch of different ideas. I, I gave some of them earlier. You know, if you, if you did my, all my workouts and you had the grade point average I wanted you to have and you, didn't, you only had one or none behavior infractions, then, you know, I was going to find a jersey for you. And that, that right there eliminated most of the problems that I would have. Yeah. So here's, I'll tell you how I do it, how I used to do how I still do it in high school is I do, I have, I've never posted a list ever. Cause if you try out for my team, you deserve to hear from me face to face. I usually have one or two assistants in with me, but um, to hear why you made it or didn't make it. So I think that's, I owe that to you. We owe that to you. So I do that. And then I, what I do is I go outside, we end practice the day I do cuts a little bit early. And then I have an assistant coach stay in the gym. And then I tell them, I talk to them about cuts and what's happening and how many people we're keeping. I say, once you leave this gym, you're not coming back into the gym. You're done for the night. I'll see you tomorrow. And then I have, I have the coach send out kids in different order. Some of them make it, some of them don't. That way they don't feel, I don't want them embarrassed by them not making it. Cause yeah. They got to come to school the next day anyway. So I think you you, you want to remember they're kids. They're still kids. It's like, it's the worst day of the year. I hate it. It's, it's, yeah. it's one of the things I won't miss about coaching is cutting. You can't it, keep 30 kids on a team. Yeah, It hurts. And, it, and if you're doing it right, it should hurt. It should yeah. not be something that you look forward to. Yeah. The only other thing I have there for cuts is I think a senior should start or be the first guy off the bench, or I think that you should just tell them after their junior year, they're taking the spot of somebody. They're, they're not going to be happy. Their parents aren't going to be happy. I have made some exceptions to that. You know, I've had them kind of be the manager because some of them have said, listen, coach, I think I want to be a coach when I, you know, when I'm done with college and all of that, I still want to be a part of this program. Well, of course I'm going to keep somebody like that. And so right. – I make them do what everybody else does, but they know going into it that they're only going to get playing time if there's an injury or if we do have somebody drop off because of academics or something. And so I do think there's exceptions. I don't think anything should be a hard and fast rule, but I I think just generally you don't want seniors on your bench. And that's something I learned the hard way. Um, and so if you can avoid that, I just wanted to drop that. It's, it's hard when seniors it. aren't going to play. I, my rule is if you're in my rotation, we play half. So I, I probably play eight or nine. If you're in my rotation then I'm, and you're a senior and I think you can help, I'll keep you. If, you, if I, yeah. you're not in my rotation, it's hard for me to keep you. Yeah. Just, right. Yeah, because there's underclassmen. Uh, quickly uh, on multi-sport athletes, I know we covered it, but here's what I here's what I cover with that. It's over after eight semesters. How will you spend your time? You'll have right. to look in the mirror and say, "I did it my way. I made a decision based on what I want to do." And I don't want anybody to follow me and say, "Listen, I, I was pressured to do this, but I really wish I had have done this while I was in high school." And I, what I'm trying to build into them is. You alone will reap the rewards or the consequences of the choices that you make. And I think sometimes we try to keep them from making those tough choices early on. And I think they need to make those choices as early as possible and live with the consequences of their decisions. Recruitment of players, you know, no NCAA guidelines. They're easily found on websites and all that kind of stuff. And there are some things that change every year. 
you know, know what their core classes and GPA and all that kind of stuff. And what, um, so, so explain real quick the difference between, I know the difference between one and two. What's the difference between two and three? Like for three, I can't do a single thing with my players until October 15th. Like I can have meetings, um, but I can't require them to be there. Like I can't have a team meeting in a classroom. We have the culture of the individual meetings where they come before October 15th and they meet with us. But I can't. I technically can't require that. And then, and then October fifteenth to November, you start November fifteenth. November, the first week of November is when we can technically start playing games. So when, when, October fifteenth is your first day of practice. Yeah. Okay. So and then, can, what about postseason? Postseason is technically uh, it ends whenever the championship game of D three is, and okay. so we can practice. Um, we can practice until the last day of the season for everybody. Okay. And then this year with the COVID-19, it ended when they called it. Right. Okay. Yeah. That was bizarre. So like our school, we had, uh, our president said on, uh, Thursday at a, at a convocation that we had, uh, tomorrow when your class is done, we were going home for spring break anyway. He said, you're going to load all your stuff and, when you go home for spring break, you're staying. So, right. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you love it and you want to support us, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. 14-day free trial as we talk. Subscribe, like, jump up and down, do whatever you got to do. Those Apple podcasts mean a lot to us. I read every one of them. Have a great day. I didn't get to meet with my players and do a whole lot of stuff that I would have. And how far did division three make it this year? I don't even know. They make it sweet 16. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think they made it. I think they had two rounds. I think so. 64, 32. Yeah. Maybe 16. Yeah. Awards. I only ever give three awards. Um, I let the team vote on them. I, I don't necessarily go according to voting. If I feel like they're rewarding somebody who doesn't represent my program the way that I want it, which is pretty rare, but it does happen. Um, I give most improved. I give defense. And then right now I'm saying it's best example on and off the court for us. We're the Bruins. And so I give the heart of a Bruin award. And that's, that's the person who, you know, you see picking up trash in the hallways. They're good with community service. Uh, they get good grades. They're just everything you want a Bruin athlete to be. Yeah, we call it our Spartan Award because we're the Spartans. Right. I love that. Yep. Right. I talked a little bit about handling criticism. Let me just give you a few more points on that. If it's deserved, you should admit it, fix it, learn from it, and then forget it. Um, what I what I tell my assistant coaches, you can't drive an automobile looking in the rearview mirror. There's a reason why the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror because. <laughs> The, that's how much focus you need to have on, on what's in the past. You do need to 
constantly check that rearview mirror to see if there's any dangers coming from it, but focus on the windshield. If it's undeserved, then just skip all those other things and just skip right to the last step, which is is forget it. The quote I have on my desk, above my desk, is if you don't want to be criticized, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing, and stand for nothing. Uh, but if you want to be the kind of coach who's actually leading people, there's going to be times when you are saying something, when you are doing something, when yep. you're asking them to be something, and when you're standing for something. And you can't expect to go through life not having confrontation and criticism. I, you know, nobody worth their salt has ever gone through life and not been criticized. Amen. That's same in teaching too. Yep. If you're not, if you gotta, I, I, I don't love when people say think outside the box because I don't even think there should be a box. <laughs> you should you know what i mean it's like you just if you're if you're unique and think in a different way people are going to criticize you i've got a list real quick here that i got from morgan wooten okay from we'll put top, this in the show notes how many okay. are there 100 and there's a lot but um yeah if you don't want me to go with him i won't but there's it's things that i got from just sitting at a table with him and um i i've published it and it's been published in different things uh, because it's such valuable stuff. But yeah, think, it's like philosophy. You call yourself yeah. a teacher. Well, you are a teacher. Yeah. yeah. I won't go through it. Then there's a lot there. Yeah, we'll we'll save we'll save. I'll put those in the show notes. Those are great. How many? Go down and see how many there are. How many are there? It's four pages. So. Oh, that's great. Uh, it goes down to eighty-five. Eighty-five. Those are great. Uh, like things. I really like the last one there. Never give orders that can be understood. Give orders that can't be misunderstood. <laughs> I love that. That's on the front of my my coaches. Uh, three ring binders that we keep all our practice Never plans give orders in. that can be i love that all right so anything else coach i got a couple questions for you too yeah so. shoot okay so um what do you think the hardest concept to teach is you know what a good shot is uh, okay okay you're the first one to, you're the first one to say shot that okay so why well because you know at the college level especially they've all come from places where they've probably been the guy who's taken a lot of shots but they're coming from all variety of, of types of high school programs. And some of their coaches may have really spent a lot of time showing that. And some of them may have not have ever even thought of it. Like that kid was maybe the best player at his school. So really whatever he took was considered a good shot. Right. But when you're in our system, you know, like we have a green light shooting club. And if you, if you meet that every week. So that's coach but, neighbors. Right. I, yeah. I got that from him. I and, love that. Red, light, yellow. I love that. Yep. And, you know, there's a series of different drills and competitions that they do from free throw shooting to three-point shooting. And they've constantly got to prove in games and scrimmages and in these drills, they've got to constantly meet these marks. So they can't beat a, a green light shooter because you know what happens with humans. Once we do something successful, we kind of forget what makes us successful and we right. stop working at it and do you so, use the one that coach you use his shooting or did you come up with your own i had um like he has some notes and he has a video and i you know he's got a bunch of stuff on his youtube channel right so there's stuff that that i use on mine and i use his i i, I do a little bit of both both okay so um, i i've got enough to i've got enough to do two different ones pretty much every week of the season. So they're not constantly doing the exact same one. Yeah. Cause I think that's the key is with is variety is, is the key. I think, I think, um, I think screening and footwork is really hard to teach properly. That's always on my cat categories. Um, 
is there one is there one coaching moment that we could dive into for the listeners that would um that they could learn from like um, a plus a minus a good a bad i can't remember the coach's name but i was going against the winningest coach of all time uh in virginia and we were down by one at the end of the game with the ball on the sideline and i ran a beautiful play and the guy was wide open and i put a senior in to inbound the ball he he never throw a long pass short and that's what he did and the guy was wide open but he probably threw it eight to ten feet short the play was beautiful we had practiced it all that kind of stuff but it was my fault as a coach he had never been the inbounder and I overlooked the importance of the inbounder. When you're thinking about an out of bounds play in a clutch situation, before that point, I had never thought about who is the best guy to be the inbounder. You're always thinking about what's happening inside the lines. And, you know, that was, I mean, that's obviously something that I've never forgot. That was my first year of ever coaching high school. And I had a legend on the ropes and, my own stupidity cost our cost our team a game. I, I I say overcoaching. <laughs> I I've learned not yeah. to overcoach. Like yeah, yeah. Don't overthink and don't overcoach. I think is a big one. Let me do my rapid fires because I like my rapid fires. I want to make sure we get these in. So, what's your favorite brand of basketball that you use? Wilson Evolution. And why? Um, you know they've just consistently put out a good product. You know we use them in the gun a lot, and they tend to to keep their grip and, and all that in the gun. The solution for whatever reason has been too spongy and it tends to go down in the gun a little bit differently. That's why you need a other? Dr. Dish, man. You need a Dr. Right. Dish. They all last. Well, Dr. Dish. they're a new sponsor of our, of our podcast. So we're looking at doing that. You are. Yeah. yeah. Um, one, uh, one word to describe your ideal player. Uh, competitive. I think if somebody is competitive, you can work with almost anything else that they have. But if they're not competitive, I've never really been successful at making somebody measurably more competitive than where they've come out of me. I mean, I have. We've made improvements and all of that. But it's a constant struggle. If they just don't have the engine, then they don't have it, you know? Um, your favorite pregame meal? Uh, Subway, rotisserie chicken. Do you eat that a lot? Yeah, we eat Subway on the road. I, I learned, uh, again, from early experience, what you can have before a game and what you can't. And so we always have pregame meals at Subways, whether we're at home or on the road. What's your – do you have any superstition? I'm not big into Eastern meditation or anything, but I do sit and I meditate and I really – I think of one word, which is usually a word like calm or peace, and I just – I feel like when I do that for 20 minutes and I sit alone – um, in a place and I'm able to just focus on one word it calms all my thoughts when I get done you know in my deep recesses of my mind I've been able to come to some solutions about things that I don't come to when I'm sitting there just focused and being aggressive about it and so I take 20 minutes and just shut my eyes and have some peaceful music and I just relax in a, a cold dark room and um, I usually listen to the same same music uh, different opponents, I wear different suits and ties based on success I've had in that same suit and tie in the past. The best, the, uh, the most taught skill in basketball. The most taught skill in basketball. I think people, if you watch a lot of the trainers online, I think people try to treat, teach 
dribbling slash ball handling the most and and I'm not sure that the way that it's done is really all that effective. Okay, what's the least taught skill? I think what you were saying, everything is so much easier on all aspects of basketball if you have the right footwork. And so what I do is a couple times a year, I will take my iPad at practice and I will just focus on everything from the waist down. And I will have another iPad focusing on what happened on the waist up. And I can tell you, what went wrong based on just looking at what their their feet do and and most of that is in our defensive shell but it's you know it's three point shots too and really you see it a lot in your finishing footwork if you don't have the right finishing footwork you know you could end up getting your shot blocked or you could end up shooting too hard and, and missing a lot of shots and i think everything goes back to your footwork I agree. I mean, it really does. I mean, one thing you do, uh, you already told, uh, one coaching technique you think is important. You know, I think trying not to make everybody, we grew up hearing beef for shooting and try <laughs> to get everybody to have the perfect JJ Reddy or JJ Reddick or Kyle Korver shot. And our bodies just aren't built that way. And, no. you know, some people do need to have 10 toes to the rim, but some, some people don't, some people have to have, a slight turn in order to have their elbows stay straight. It, their shoulders and elbows don't work that way. And so, you know, just being, just teaching your shooting technique the right way for, for that player. I agree. I, my son had a dip. So, I mean, he's taking more shots than, oh my God. He, I mean, he's got legit range, but between his freshman, he wasn't strong enough. So he had a, he had a I mean, it's still not where I want it, which is like yeah. a little bit here. But he used to have a dip, which we were able to take care of because uh -huh. I'd say only worry about the big things. Like, yeah. you know, he couldn't get a shot off fast enough because he'd grab it, he'd dip, and then he'd shoot. So that's something we had to fix. But whether the elbows are perfectly aligned, all that stuff is – footwork yeah. is important if you want to get it off, to be honest right. with you. Your, your pre-prep is as important as um, right. anything. Um but I tell young coaches, if they have a big flaw, that's when you got to take care of it. You know, the little elbow, the beef thing, I agree with. Uh, best, pe best player you have seen in person? You know, just a couple of times. I saw Michael Jordan. I saw him. I just found my program uh, today, actually, watching all this Last Dance stuff. But I saw Michael Jordan uh, before he had Pippen and all that. I got My dad was from New York City, so I got to see him at Madison Square Garden on Christmas Day. and. That's, he was the game where he had the dunk where he rocked it. And some famous clips of, of Michael Jordan were from that game. And then I got to see him um, at the end of his career playing for the Wizards and all of that. So I got to see him a couple of different times. I told you before we got on here that I was around Kevin Garnett a lot. And, you know, seeing him here in the community and you just never seen another player at, at that age coach the other players. If somebody missed a box out, or didn't do what they were supposed to do at a young age, he was getting on those people and just tearing them apart. Right. He, people were terrified uh, of disappointing him. And, you know, I just, I wish that players could see that, you know, sometime he went, sometimes he went a little bit overboard, but I would rather have to pull somebody back than trying to make him get to that point. You know, I agree. Um, one thing that's one thing that's helped you become a better coach. Being humble enough to ask so many coaches, you know, if I like something that they're doing, asking how they do it, how I can implement that, and 
and all of that, the, the quicker you get over yourself and realize <laughs> that, that the, the way to be the coach that you have in your mind, the quickest way to do that is really to admit that you're nothing and find people that, that can help you. And, you know, I still do that to this day. Right. I, 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 yeah. To get out of your own way is uh, yeah. best game you've seen in person. I was a Clemson uh, season ticket holder. And they're at one point when they had Rick Barnes, they got to where they were number one in one poll and Wake Forest was number one in the other poll. And that's when they had uh, Tim Duncan and Lauren Woods and all of that. And I had really good seats right under on the baseline, right underneath the basket. And uh, I think that's probably the best game I've seen in person. Uh, best basketball coach of all time. I've had a couple and, you know, they've been high school coaches, but Bob Hurley and Morgan Wooten done so much to try to help me. And, you know, early in my career, even Jerry Pedigo there in, in Wisconsin, you know, he, he coached for a hundred years there at Cuba and, you know, and then Doug Novak and Lenny Acuff here, you know, I, I wouldn't say coach K or, or Wooden or some of those other people, I would say, you know, I got a chance to talk with Dean Smith right after he broke the the win record. I happened to have my team and we were touring the Dean Dome and he came out of his office and talked to us. And the more you read about basketball, the more you realize how much Dean Smith was the first to do a bunch of stuff in this game. And, you know, in Atlanta, I started looking at a lot of African-American influence on basketball and it really John McClendon instituted the fast break, and there were some African-American coaches who had done something like the four corners right? even before Dean Smith did it. I know. It's, yeah, the history behind it. I tell, I tell, I tell um, coaches, too, it's like the, the, the best coach is probably around the corner because sometimes I think high school coaches, there's, there's gems out there if you can. I mean, I've found them in my podcast. But, uh, one book you'd recommend. I've got a lot. But, I know. Look at know. me, too, you know. I, yeah. <laughs> I already mentioned uh, Atomic Habits, and so I'll go, you know it's a good book when you see it quoted in a lot of other books, and that's The Score Takes Care of Itself about uh, Bill Walsh. And all that philosophy is, is if you're doing all these things, and it's about the process, it's not about any one event. And you hear Nick Saban and all these people talk about process, 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 and Bill Belichick and the most famous coaches and all of them quote the score takes care of itself and it's it's one book I've got a couple of books but it's it's one book that I reread every off season just to help my focus as I prepare as you, yeah um all right last question this is what I always end with what would you tell your younger self and for those of you that are listening I will get these from coach and then I'll just put them in the show notes yeah. so you can um you can, because I know some of you are probably jogging or running or listening or doing something other than sitting somewhere and probably taking notes. So I'll, I'll get these and put them in the show notes for you. But telling my younger self is kind of what I already said, just the quicker that you don't try everything under the sun, you know, you don't want to coach the same season 10 years in a row. Where right. You're constantly in year one of your program and if if somebody had given me that advice and explained that advice to me that would have helped me but when you're when you're new to it you don't really know and so there is going to be a little bit of change from year one to year two but by the time you get into year three and year four you should not be recreating the wheel every single year you got to settle in on your philosophy get be an expert 
at a few things, not try to be a master of everything. Well, and I, and this is from someone who taught has taught over 30 years. When you, the first one you said, you're not a coach, you're a teacher, which is hundred percent true. Right. You can read all the books you want. You can watch all the YouTube videos you want. You got to go coach to become a coach. Yeah. And then you'll learn, I mean, like teaching the first, le- <laughs> my first lesson was probably horrible in my first, I mean, I feel like I'm hitting stride after 30 years of teaching. Right. So it's the same with coaching. It's like you, th- that, that those first couple of years, you have to do a lot of reflection. You have to do a lot of this work. This didn't work. You're not going to know it all until you get thrown to the wolves, to be honest with you. And so what helps is every day at the bottom of your practice plan during practice and after practice, write down right then what yes. worked, what didn't work, what your ideas are. Yes. Keep them in a three-ring binder. And as I'm preparing practice, even to this day, I'll open up those three-ring binders and look what I did at about that time in previous years. And maybe all I get from that is whatever my thought for the day was a couple of years ago. Maybe I really like that thought for the day, and that's all that I get. Right. But I constantly go back and do that just like you would with a lesson plan. And Yep, and I'm always jotting. I mean, I, I, I don't type them up. I write them out old school. Now, I'm, yeah. people are going to just say I'm an old person. But the reason is I, I, you know, I tuck it behind my, my pants, and then I pull it out during practice, and I'm making notes on it, like, Right. Ooh, that didn't work or Johnny needs, I need to talk to, I need to gather him cause I didn't get to talk to him today or something. So I'm using it, you know, it looks like someone really crumped it up into a yeah. ball by the time practice is over, but I got it and then I can reflect on it. So for a young coach, I would definitely recommend that. That's, that's a great tip. Um, thank you coach. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you love it and you want to support us, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. 14-day free trial as we talk. Subscribe, like, jump up and down, do whatever you got to do. Those Apple podcasts mean a lot to us. I read every one of them. Have a great day. Podcast Network.